On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, the draft lottery has come and go, and the Canucks are exactly where we expected them to be. We continue our greatest Canucks series featuring probably the most exciting player in Vancouver Canucks history, the most electrifying, the most polarizing potentially in the Russian rocket. And I'm going to give you guys some best bets for the upcoming NHL playoffs. Stick around. It's Locked On Canucks, and it starts now you're locked on canucks your daily podcast on the vancouver canucks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Canucks. I'm, of course, your host, Justin Pooney. I hope you guys are all doing well. A very eventful Tuesday night in the world of sports. Of course, the lovely Toronto Maple Leafs won Game 5. I had the pleasure of seeing fans cheering and having a great time, which not only made me wanted to induce vomiting and puke, it made me quite jealous. Um, of course, there was extreme action in the NHL. Carolina um, won. They're up 3-2 against Boston, which, you know, for all of us to hold a grudge against Boston from 2011, uh, we'll be happy to see. Um, and, of course, Edmonton is losing right now, currently one nothing at the time of I'm recording this episode to the Los Angeles Kings. So, for all you Oiler haters out there, there's some good news. There's some bad news with the Leafs. Horrible news with the Leafs, actually. But... I digress because this is Locked on Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I want to thank you for making Locked on Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free and, of course, available wherever you get your podcast services. So, guys, let's cut right into the chase right here. Draft lottery was held today. And, of course, as we kind of expected, as I said yesterday, the... Montreal Canadiens will have the first overall pick in this year's NHL draft at home. It is the 2022 um, draft, and it will be at home, and they will be having the first pick. The New Jersey Devils won the second lottery draw, earning the second overall pick. It marks It's actually the third time in six years the Devils will have a second or first overall pick. Um, then it goes New Arizona, Seattle, Philadelphia, Columbus, uh, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, Anaheim, San Jose, Columbus, the Islanders, the Jets, our Vancouver Canucks, and the Golden Knights. So, well, actually, with the Golden Knights, that pick was going to be given to the Sabres because of the Jack Eichel trade. So, <clears throat> Canucks didn't move up to the fifth spot. They didn't win that lottery that way. They didn't fall. They stuck where they were at 15. And it's an interesting place to be. They're kind of they're right in the middle of the... Uh, NHL uh, entry draft in the first round. That's the first time in two years the Canucks will have a first round pick after they traded it, of course, for JT Mill, which I think we can all can admit it was a slam dunk, a first round pick. And then last year, trading that pick for OEL, who I talked about yesterday, that might be on the move if somebody is sucker enough to take that massive, massive contract. And Connor Garland, who again had his ups and downs this season. So, um, Currently, where the Canucks sit at 15, I just want to go through a couple players um, who the Canucks could potentially target. Um, 
at the upcoming entry draft. So the first one that caught my eye was from Winnipeg of the WHL. Remember, they were the former Kootenai Ice. is Connor Geeky. He's a center, played 63 games, scored 70 points, and he is the younger brother of Morgan Geeky, who was drafted by the Seattle Kraken. He's the fifth-ranked North American skater. He's projected to go to the top 10, but could slide to the middle of the round. He's got a lot of size and skill, which provide for excellent value. I don't know if the Canucks need a center, though. They're pretty strong around the center, unless he um, can play as your third-line center, um, which could potentially be a fit because we know Jason Dickinson had not um, slotted in there. Now, it will be a bit of a wait. I don't see him jumping straight into the NHL. Um, next is Marco Kasper. Plays in Sweden, but he's also of Austrian descent. Had 11 points in 46 games playing in the Swedish Hockey League. He wasn't, from all scouting reports I've read, he was never overmatched physically. Always seen that he could play at the men's level. Um, he has a power element, and at the junior level, he was a point-per-game player in Sweden. And he actually played the same club, Rogel, that produced Niels Hoaglander. So, you know, Hoaglander had a rough year this year, but we know there's something there with Niels Hoaglander. So I think... The best, you know, he could potentially fit in. And he plays center and wing, kind of a do it all. Then there's Yuri Kulich. Um, he's kind of a wild card. Um, he's had a really, really big rise at the World Under 18 Championships. He's a well rounded center. He led the tournament with nine goals, which seven on the power play. Belarusian Daniel Klimovich used the same stage to elevate himself, obviously, last year, getting picked 41st by the Canucks. And the Canucks obviously have high hopes for him. We have Brad Lambert, who many of you might remember was a big, big piece on um, Central Scouting. He was projected to be a top 10, no doubt, lock in the World Juniors with Finland. Uh, however, he had a rough year scoring just four goals in the Finland's Liga. Um, I don't know whether there was intensity or inconsistency. He fell into uh, the 10th spot from the 5th spot of the Central Scouting's European rankings. He's an explosive skater and has very exciting potential. Um the worrisome for me about Lambert is if he doesn't have that high motor and he, if he doesn't, if you can't, the way I see with prospects is if you cannot dominate um, at the younger level on a consistent basis where the talent disparity is massive and you don't have that drive to now, it could change. But when I see, when I see with players is I want to have a guy who no matter what the skill level is, skill level of the player, other players out there goes out there and just dominates and, um, does not quit and I and does not take nights off. And when you take nights off, to me, that's a red flag, and I don't want to go near that player. So for me, I don't want to go near Brad Lambert. This last pick for me is the most enticing one, and I think can be the best fit for the Canucks. And that's Pavel. I hope I pronounced this right. Minskyov plays in Saginaw of the OHL, had 62 points in 67 games. He was the top-scoring defenseman in the OHL. This, all reports indicate he's a strong, fluid skater with excellent puck skills. Who Many people project him to be a power play specialist. He shoots left. as He's a left shot, as most defensemen are in this. He's got exciting um, and a tantalizing dynamic. People say, sorry, many call him a tantalizing dynamic prospect. So for me... That is the guy I'm going to be looking at. I think you need to work on the back end. The back end needs to be stronger. The back end needs to be more solidified. If you can get a guy who's another Quinn Hughes-like player that can move the puck up the ice, can skate, and can play that fluid game, I would definitely jump at that because that is where the biggest need for this team is on the back end. Another thing about the draft is, look, 
you're picking 15th. Most likely, this is going to be a player who's going to, you know, take a couple years to develop. He's not going to be a guy that slots in to your top opening day roster right away. So, again, you're able to, I guess, take a bit of a, a risk per se that, you know, we could take a younger, you know, more of a project player who has a bit more higher upside, but might be take a couple more years because you look at this team. <laughs> I don't see a first-round pick player coming in right away and just making an immediate impact. I don't see it happening at all. Um, so that's kind of where the Canucks stand. Those are some of the, where the players are. Um, I just want to also say one thing uh, about the NHL awards news that came out was that Jacob Markstrom, former Canucks goalie, we all you know love, respect, um, was nominated as a finalist for the Vezina. Kudos to him. But obviously, the Canucks still made the right decision in letting Thatcher Demko be the starting goalie. It's obvious Thatcher Demko is the better goalie, the younger goalie, the cheaper goalie. But I just want to say congratulations to Jacob Markstrom because he deserves it. Um, and he's getting paid in Calgary. Um, so kudos to Jacob Markstrom. Always will be one of my favorite Canucks of all time. But uh, the Canucks did make the right decision with Thatcher Demko. So um, that's kind of the news housekeeping things of the Canucks, some prospects to look at, a couple, five of them. Canucks, of course, picking 15th. Shout out to Markstrom, but also the Canucks made the right decision with Thatcher Demko. Um, coming up after the break, though, we are going to jump into the meat of this episode, and that is talking about a player who was very polarizing during his time in Vancouver, but now is a cult hero, a just a legend of the game, a hockey hall of famer, the first Canuck to be inducted into the hockey hall of fame. Pavel Bure, and we're going to talk about the Russian Rock and explain why he is one of the greatest Canucks, if not top, some people still consider him the greatest Canuck of all time, um, coming up after this break. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built, sorry, not Built Bar, BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL. Got it right this time. Futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we are going to start this segment by talking about Pavel Bure, number 10, number 96, the Russian Rocket, the most exciting player in Vancouver Canucks history, the greatest pure goal scorer in Vancouver Canucks history, and some might say the greatest player in Vancouver Canucks history, certainly the most talented player in Vancouver Canucks history. Bure's story in Vancouver is a interesting one there was controversy there was highs lows trade demands contract disputes um a separation between the two for decades and then a reconciliation um thanks to mike gillis um that brought burry back to vancouver and had him have his number retired rightfully so um and rebuild his image uh, around the city of vancouver and the province of british columbia which saw him go from a little-known, unknown Russian prospect to the most electrifying player in the NHL. So let's start at the beginning. 1989, Canucks draft Pavel Bure in the sixth round. Now you might be saying, Justin, he's a hockey Hall of Famer, sixth round. Wow, didn't they have, wasn't he supremely skilled? Oh, definitely he was. 
the Pavel Bure had a name break up himself playing in Russia, played for the Russian World Junior team on a line with Sergei Fedorov and Alexander McGilney, another Canuck who he would play with later on, but it was an absolute dynamic line. And Bure kind of separated himself from the pack with his speed, his skill, and all of that. And many thought that Bure was underage and was not eligible for the draft in 89 because he would have been a surefire first-round pick. But thanks to the Canucks' scouting and smart work, they were able to find the right documentation to have them select Bure and then eventually buy him out of his contract when he defected from Russia to Los Angeles, where he then joined the Canucks in November of 1991. Which... You look, I'm sure all Canucks fans have heard this story where it's his first game at the Pacific Coliseum. And at that time, games weren't televised nationally or locally every game. And Bure created a buzz in this city that they had never seen. And in the first, it's probably the greatest first shift potentially in National Hockey League history. Bure takes the puck and skates absolutely through the entire Winnipeg Jets teams, leaving the crowd, his teammates, and the Winnipeg Jets stunned that a guy can control the puck with that amount of speed and that skillfully, and that was just the tip of the iceberg for Pavel Bury. It picked up right after that. He scored 34 goals in his rookie year, capturing the Hart Trophy. Back-to-back 60-goal seasons included in 1992-93 and 93-94. Of course, again, as we talked about with Kirk McLean and Trevor Linden, the highlight, the pinnacle of his time in Vancouver was the 1994 Stanley Cup run, which saw him you know, rack up a copious amount of points in, nine, in the playoffs in 94. He had 24 games, played 16 goals, 15 assists, 31 points. But let's go back to the regular season statistics for Pavel Bury. First season, 34 goals. Then he scores 60 and 60 again in his first two years with 110 points, 107 points, an absolute electrifying player. But then following those seasons, injuries hit Bure hard. The next season, 94-95, he got put only 44 games. Then 95-96-15, he came back in 96-97 with 63 games. And then allowed him only one more 50-goal season, 97-98, when he scored 51 goals and had 90 points. Now, after that season, Brian Burke was hired as the general manager, and Bure refused to play for the Canucks, saying for persons he did not want to play in Vancouver. Now, this wasn't the first time Bure was in controversy in Vancouver. Back during that 94 Cup run, Bure wanted a new contract, and Many reports indicated that Burry was going to withhold his services from the Canucks if they did not meet his contract demands. They eventually got the contract done. I believe it was during this conference finals or right before the Stanley Cup finals. They were signed the contract and he played. But that was right after then you kind of saw people kind of turn on him. That he was greedy. He wanted money. Now, as the capitalist I am, the person that I enjoy money, I can never get mad at somebody for wanting to get paid for what they earned. He certainly proved a back-to-back 60-goal seasons. He was the most electrifying player in the NHL, Pavel Bure, and he was physical. He could shoot. He had the speed. He had the puck handling. There was things Pavel Bure could do at full speed that people couldn't even think about doing, walking through. Pavel Bure was that electrifying. But typical amongst the Canadian market, there's always something to complain about with a player. And that was the contract demands. Now, did he, you know, 
make any friends in the in the in the market when he demanded a trade probably not and that's probably why we when he went to florida you know he had one more a couple more good years won the rocket richard in florida one i believe it was in 19 back to back years excuse me 99 and 2001 he won the rocket richard trophy with florida scoring 59 goals and then scoring 58 sorry 58 goals and then 59 goals so he had a couple more great years in florida but we all know he was a Canuck through and through when we remember him as. And look, he left. He left on unceremonious terms, and he was gone for a very long time. But I think when he was gone, people always still knew Pavel Bure was the first superstar the Canucks ever had. He was the first dose of player who, um, you know, loved to score and wasn't afraid to say, hey, I'm going to score 60 goals. And he went out and did it. You know, most players you know, in hockey have that, you know, that humble, um, that, you know, oh, you know, it's a team game and stuff like that. And I'm sure Bray was, Bray was a great team. He had, you know, such a great relationship with Gino Ojic, another former Canuck who we might be touching on this week as well. Um, but, you know, all indications are that Pavel Bray loved to score. He was driven to score, and he wasn't afraid to say it out loud. And that is what I love about players who play like that, who are unapologetic. Hey, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to score 60 goals this season because I am good enough, and I have the talented enough, and I have nobody can stop me. That is what I love. When players are so great that they can call their shots, and they can get it done, and there's nothing nobody can do to stop them. So that is what made Pavel Burry so great. Was his He was given gifts that are just... No, Certain gifts that are handed out to one person. Some have great speed, some have great shot, some have great skill. But Burry had it all. He had the speed, the shot, the physicality. He wasn't he wasn't a pushover. He wasn't somebody that was going to back that. He gave it out. He dished it back. Um, he definitely was a complete player. And in his prime was the most, like I said, the most electrifying player. They called him the Russian rocket for a reason. Right, there's a reason why they would, you will never see another guy skate. Um, now again, Connor McDavid is, you know, maybe just as fast. I never saw Burry during his prime. I wasn't born, but I know what I see with Connor McDavid at high speed, high school. I can just imagine that that's what Pavel Burry was like. Um, and then it, like just the then again, people might say the way he played, the way he crashed into the boards, the way you know his knees uh, didn't hold up, and that's kind of what caused his demise to the end of his time in vancouver um but definitely during his height of his powers burry was a rock star i saw a clip of just the fan mail he would get just the throngs of people his first practice at britannia ice rink i played hockey there one time when i was younger it is so small and they had that thing packed to the rafters for the canucks practice with burry that just shows you the type of pull this guy had his very first practice very first practice he sold out the building He's part of the reason why they built Rogers Arena because he was that damn electrifying and people wanted to pay to see him play. He's one of those guys that people would pay anything to see play live. Um, and you don't see those type of guys a lot. So definitely Pavel Bure during his peak in Vancouver was a rock star, superstar, electrifying player. And, you know, he did force his way out of Vancouver, did force a trade, and he got traded. But that brought the Canucks to guys like Ed Jovanovski and helped replenish the system for what would be another successful era. And as the decades passed and people got older and you kind of forget about all that stuff. And he was brought back by Mike Gillis before um, 
he had his hockey hall right after he was inducted to the hockey hall of fame in and around that time and he was graciously and greatly uh recognized by the canucks faithful and was brought back and was showcased and was paraded around and everybody loved him everybody wished him well everybody was happy um that his number was retired and he was well deserving like if you look at it Pavel Bure during his time with the Vancouver Canucks was one of the he was the Vancouver Canucks he was the superstar of the Vancouver Canucks and I think that right there was the most important um he won the most exciting player five times you know he he was an absolute stud and that right there is a point in solo he scored what he scored so many goals for the Canucks. He did, you know, he was a, you know, hockey all famer in 2012, um, MVP the three times with the Canucks. He was um, most points by a rookie, most goals in a season that still stands, most goals in the playoffs, most shorthanded goals, uh, most goals uh, in a single game four. Um, that's tied with Marcus Nazan and Daniel Sedin. So he broke a bunch, a bunch of records. A bunch, a bunch of records for the Vancouver Canucks, and um, he changed life for the Canucks because he brought that superstar flair to Vancouver, something that we didn't see for a very long time. So Pavel Bury will always be remembered as a great Vancouver Canuck, whether it was the ups and the downs. That's part of the way it goes, but Pavel Bury will always, always, always be remembered as a great Canuck and the first Canuck superstar ever. Pavel Bury. One of the greatest Canucks who ever lived. Now, coming up after this final break, I'm going to go into some of the bets and some of my predictions and some of my thoughts for the um, rest of the NHL's first round. So stick around for that. But first, I want to talk to you guys about... And welcome back to Locked On Canucks. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, check out Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free. And, of course, wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, our last segment, I just want to touch on you know some of the playoff series that are going on right now. I kind of mentioned it off the top, kind of highlighted some of the things. Look, the biggest one I want to talk about right now is, of course, our favorite team out there, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had a... Hate to say it, an impressive win against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're up 3-2 in the series after they got shellacked in game four. Look, I think Tampa's going to win in game six. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray Tampa wins in seven because I cannot bear to see the Leafs make the second round. It will rip my soul out. But I have to give the Leafs credit today. They played well. Although Austin Matthews should have been kicked out of the game for that dirty hit on Mikhail Sergachev, um, they came back and won the game. And I cannot say anything else like that. They played well and they won. Now it's not over yet, but I hope they lose. Next is the Carolina Hurricanes, who just smashed the Boston Bruins 5-1. I think Carolina is the better team, but Boston has played resilient. Um, I think Carolina closes them out in Game 6. Um, and Edmonton. They're down 3-1 right now to the Los Angeles Kings at home. After they scored a boatload of goals in game two and three, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with Edmonton. I don't understand what the hell 
they, they I don't know, understand what goes through this team that they just can't do anything in the playoffs. Is it that poorly constructed where they cannot win a playoff round? I just, I don't understand it. It makes zero sense to me how the Oilers cannot just win a playoff round with the amount of talent they have. It makes zero sense to me. So I think Edmonton is making this series a lot longer than it has to be. They're going to have to probably go down to LA now and win a must-win game six and hope they win in seven. I'll take the Oilers in seven, but it's not looking good. And Minnesota, and again, these are all very, very tight series. Minnesota and uh, St. Louis are now tied at twos, and St. Louis is up 4-2 right now in game five. It is a very tight series. I see St. Louis closing this one out in seven as I predicted. The other series, I think Pittsburgh closes out the Rangers. I think that game is that series is done. They've Pittsburgh has embarrassed the Rangers and Igor Shosturkin. I think that series is over. The Capitals and Panthers, that was a tough, gutsy win by the Panthers the other night in overtime. I think that it could have helped them a lot. That saved their season. But I still think Washington wins. I still think there's something fraudulent about the Florida Panthers. And then the Calgary Flames and Dallas Stars. Look, Jake Ottinger has been playing unreal this series. And I think that... There could be opportunity that the Stars can or can they win another game in Calgary? I think so. I'm going to take the Stars in seven because I hate the Flames. So that's pure hate that I'm going against the Leafs and the Flames, and they probably will win, knowing my luck. Um, but wishful thinking. I hope the Flames and the Leafs get knocked on the first round. Um, probably not going to happen though. But yeah, um, that's kind of just my, my predictions and bets going forward. Um, like I said, guys, quick episode today. Uh, Canucks draft lottery. They draft 15th overall. Um, Pavel Bury was our greatest Canuck in this series today. So that is all we have for today on Locked On Canucks. For your next listen, again, thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen, Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear from the latest news and opinion from all the local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you can get your podcast services. Guys, take care. Stay safe.